Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Happy Memorial Day weekend. And uh, just are thankful for the lives that uh, have given so that we can have our freedoms. Amen? That's for sure. It's good to see each and every one of you. Today, I'm, I'm, I'm starting a two-week series on power for life. You know, when we think about the future, <clears throat> we think about it many times the vantage point of whatever is going on in our life right now. Something's happening in all of our lives in this moment. Some are going through some agonizing challenges. Others, you're dealing with problems and hurts, pain, whatever it may be. Maybe you're needing healing or restoration. You need your life or relationship. Or maybe you're waiting for something. You're, you're waiting for something to happen. Will this really finally happen in my life? Will this really finally take place? And you think, man, you know, I've been born for more than what I'm doing right now. And those questions, they, they cause us to long for answers in our life, in our heart. And I want to take a moment in Scripture, a Scripture that's very, very uh, important and uh, one that you've read many times or preached on. And it was also a transition moment in the life of the disciples. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts in the, ch in, uh, the first chapter. This is a wonderful book. Because it's the history of the early church just after Jesus was raised from the dead. And it is a roadmap for us. I hope that you read the book of Acts very often because it is a roadmap for us. It paints the picture of what our lives should be like as we follow Christ. And you see here in the early book of, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 1, this transitional moment. Jesus has been resurrected. He appears to his disciples. He demonstrates he's alive. And disciples realize they're in this moment of transition. And they're looking to the future with a new understanding of what has just taken place. You know, they've spent these wonderful years with Jesus. They followed him with hopes, aspirations. He would fulfill the prophecies of the Messiah coming into the world. They were expecting that the Messiah would come and establish the kingdom of God on earth and that he would establish the rulership of Israel on the earth. They, they expected that, and they've heard about it up until this point, and that Jesus would elevate them at the, at the same time, that they would rule with him on the earth. You know, his messianic fulfillment, his coming to be king over everything, this is their hopes and dreams that Basically, God would fix all the stuff that's broken on the earth. And we can relate to that uh, because there's brokenness in our own lives. And this is the thought they had that everything that's broken in our life, now Jesus is going to fix it because he's risen from the dead. And, you know, if he beat death, then certainly he could fix what's wrong on planet earth. How many of you are with me? Say amen. He, he could beat that. He can do this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, and we're going to move around the first chapter of the book of Acts today. And Jesus in his resurrected form, they say, they, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In, in this time, in, in, right now, are, are you going to make everything the way that it's supposed to be? And this is what we've longed for, and this is what we've heard about. And then the response comes from Jesus in verses 7 and 8. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, 
And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates, because the Father has set this by his own authority. Now, let me just say, whenever you seek God for answers about the future, he very rarely lets you in on what's coming. Isn't that true? Very rarely, very rarely. He basically says to us, okay, um, you're thinking about the next season in your life. Well, it's not for you to know the wins, the hows, and what's going to happen in the future. You know why? Because if you knew, it wouldn't make it any better. Is that right? It, it wouldn't make any better. It probably will make it actually worse. In thinking about this, you think, but God, I really want to know if you'd share with me your plans and, and how it's going to work and the challenges and the solutions to the various things that's happening, you know, God, that would be a great plan. You just give us these specifics and you just give us these details. But God doesn't because he loves us so much because some are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Think about it. You know, I think, God, I really should know. You ever argue with God? God, I want to know. I should know what's coming. I want to see down the road. But the problem is if we see down the road, we will be filled with anxiety. More information will not give you peace. How many of you know that's true? We live in a world full of information. There's not a lot of peace, is there? No, it's just more information that gets us all worked up and we're anxious. So if you look at this, God's thinking, hey, you're going to be messed up if I tell you about the future. You, you would just get completely in God's way and he wouldn't be able to do what he wants to do. And we think that maybe we can handle it, but you see here, he says, listen, it's not for you to know all those details, but he's, here's what he said, his answer, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Now, the word witness there means the disciples were supposed to be witnesses to what they had seen, that Jesus was alive and he's still alive today and he wants us to demonstrate what that looks like in the world that we live in through the work of the Holy Spirit that gives us the capacity to live in power. Are you a witness to what God has done in your life and to what you have seen? That's the purest form. This was the disciples, what he's called us to do as the church. We are witnesses of the truth of Jesus Christ. But here's the main message and the main point if you're taking notes. Confidence comes not from knowing the specifics, but rather from knowing the source. How many of you are with me? Say yes. Confidence comes not from knowing the specifics, all the details, but rather from knowing the source, the source of who to go to, where to find strength, whatever you're facing, whatever challenge you're going through, that you don't have to do it on your own strength and in your own power. If you are living in relationship with the Holy Spirit, there is a source of wisdom, life, and grace that you can live out of that's better than you just living out of your own strength. It's about knowing that there is a power that is greater no matter what you are going through. We have got to know the source. Specifics won't help us. It will just make us more anxious. And this is, he said, you know, it's not for you to know. This is the Father. It's his authority. He said, you're not going to know this, and neither is Jesus at this time. I think there's a tendency 
if you hear me out here, I think there's a tendency in our generation, especially to undervalue our need for the Holy Spirit. And if you just hear me out today, and you just come with an open heart and an open mind today and next week in this two-part series, that I think what happens many times in believers is we undervalue the work of the Holy Spirit in us. You know, and I know that I'm talking to a wide range of people here, that there are different folks, some of you are seasoned believers, some of you have been following the Lord for a long time, some of you are recent in your faith, some of you are just here checking out Abundant Life Church, just here maybe to hear what's going on. Let me just talk, especially to those of you who made a decision to be a follower of Christ, we have a tendency to undervalue the need for the Holy Spirit. We often live, we often live out of our own strength. When we face challenges, we try to solve them by striving, worrying, and manipulating things to make things happen in our world. But we forget how much we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives every single moment of every single day. Jesus knew this, and before he left earth, he said to his disciples, don't go into the future or leave Jerusalem but wait. Can you say the word wait? Yeah, don't move into the future right now. There's going to be a moment for that. But he says, at this point, I want you to wait right here in Jerusalem. Do not go any further until I tell you. Wait for the gift that my father has promised you. Wait for it. Here's what he's saying. Look, if you try to go out and do the things that I've called you to do in the future and you do it in your own strength, your own efforts, in your own understanding, you're never going to reach the destination I want you to get to, so wait. You're gonna have to wait right here. What's he saying? You're gonna have to make some space, create room for the Holy Spirit so that he can enter your world and when the Holy Spirit comes on you, verses four through five, he's gonna give you power. Do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They waited, they made space, they made room so the Holy Spirit could enter their world so they could experience his involvement and his empowerment in their life. When is the last time that you created space for the Holy Spirit in your life? How many of you know that nobody else can create space in your life for the Spirit? You have to do that. You have to create the space because how many of you know the world we live in will not give you the space? You will have to create it, create space for the Spirit of God in you. So the reality is the Holy Spirit is so much better than you and me. How many of you know that to be true? The Holy Spirit is so much better than us. How? Well, he has more wisdom he has more insight. He has more power. He has a better attitude, right? Uh-huh. Joy and strength, right? He says, do not leave this place. Don't step into the future, but wait and create space for the work of the Holy Spirit so that you can have a fresh experience with the Holy Spirit. My heart is today and next week that I would, I, with God's help, to create a hunger in you for more, more of the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about a couple things that we need and a couple things that we're going to pursue during this season. Point number one, if you're taking notes, I need an experience with the Holy Spirit. Can you say the word experience? You and I need an experience with the Holy Spirit. 
If you talk about this, the poster child for this transformation, Simon Peter, one of Jesus' main disciples, he's a great example of how the Holy Spirit can change somebody's life, totally transform them. And you read the history of Jesus, you see the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which tell the story of Jesus. They also include the, the record of Simon Peter's discipleship journey and how inconsistent he was. Remember that? He was very inconsistent, just even starting out with Jesus. Basically, Simon Peter, up to this moment, where he experiences the Holy Spirit, lives out of his own strength, and, and kind of gives God, you know, you know, the leftovers. But there's this moment when Jesus was on trial, and Simon Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. He denies him three times. You remember the story. And you look through this, and Jesus is saying to him, because he's sitting in this circle as well in Acts chapter 1, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father has promised you. You need to wait here. And you need to get all that my Father wants to give you. And when he experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you see the life of Peter totally change into a very bold, powerful leader. He spoke up, he spoke with such anointing and such a boldness on behalf of what God was doing on his life. Now, I stand before you today that as a person that grew up in Pentecost, in a Pentecostal church my whole life, and I can tell you with my mom and dad encouraging me that they encouraged me, hey, just don't sit there at the end of service. Come and be a part of the altar times. Come and express yourself during the time of worship. Raise your hands. Be in all that God wants to give you in that service. And I was a product of that where I came forward so many times, not only there but in youth services, that I came forward and I just raised my hands and I, God allowed me to have more of him. And many of you have heard me share that, you know, growing up, I, I, was, I was a very timid person and very, very shy, but it's through those moments that I felt God's presence come upon me in such powerful ways that he gave me a new boldness to do his work. Now, I haven't arrived, and neither of you, but I realize that I need more of the work of the Holy Spirit. And we haven't arrived yet because the filling of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing thing and an ongoing basis, that God wants to continue to fill you with more of his presence every single moment but that God would give you a boldness and that you would be filled with more of him. Let me just say this, that every single one of us needs an experience with the Holy Spirit. How many are with me? Say yes. Every single one of us are, need an experience. I don't care who you are or what background you're from or whatever. Maybe I know in this room there's many different denominations that are represented as you come together. People have come here from all different backgrounds, whatever it may be. What I'm teaching you today is the Bible. So that just levels the playing field. That we need more of the work of the Holy Spirit than we've ever had before. That we would hunger. We need an experience to step forward. So what happens many times is we don't want an experiential faith. We want a faith that's a little safer and more contained. Is that true? 
I mean, we just want to be contained, right? We just want to look good, and we just want to act right. You know, I don't want anybody to think, you know, that I'm a little odd out there. But when you are touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have an experience that affects your life. It affects your behavior. It affects your emotions, and it affects your responses. Sometimes we, we see this here in this environment that in the church realm where people are coming in for the first time and they're like, Whoa, I didn't know church could be like that. We don't want you for the long haul just to sit and look. We want you to come and take a step forward and experience all that God has for you while we're together. Amen? That, that you would participate because the worship team isn't up here for another gig. They got better things to do. And the majority of them aren't even paid by the church. They're volunteering their time, but they're here to lead us in the presence of the Lord so that you and I would get a hold of God while we are together. We are called to be experiential people. You can only sit there so long. You've got to be moved by the presence of the Holy Spirit and that you would say, God, I am open and I want you to fill me and I will respond to you. This is very biblical. Very biblical, what I'm talking about. You know, there's a couple of primary experiences that we have. The first one is the most important one. That we experience a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The moment that we get saved from ourselves and saved from the world and saved from hell, we have an experience at that moment where the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and resides inside of us. The Bible tells us that. You know, in John 20, 21, 22, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent to me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Oh man, I, that's powerful. Receive. He removed the barrier of sin in, in, in our lives by dying for us, we're his disciples. That moment we walk across the line and we see Jesus shows up in the room that the disciples are in and he says, receive the Holy Spirit and he breathed on them. Oh my God, I would love to have been there that day. I mean, could you imagine? In that moment, he breathed on them the work of the Holy Spirit. God touched Men and women of God, receive it. He breathed, receive it now. So the very first time in human history, you have human beings who now have the Holy Spirit replacing that dead, empty place on the inside with his presence. I'm here to tell you today, if there's dead, empty space in you, you need that filled by the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You need to have that replaced because in the Lord, it's life-giving and abundant life. So that, that's very powerful. You know, the Holy Spirit, we know the Father God the Father, he created everything. God the Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus through the work of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, you've heard that before. But there's a few key things that I just want you to hear, and you may have heard this before, but listen, I, listen, I can remember these things in my hearing growing up by many great pastors and preachers and teachers that, listen, the Holy Spirit is a, is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. You know, the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. Some people are like, well, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit's just like Jesus. How do you know that? Because the Bible says in John 14, 14 26, he sent another helper. 
He's, he's another helper. He's another comforter. He will come and comfort you. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. That's a beautiful thing about it. You know, it's the same benefit that you have with Jesus you have with the work of the Holy Spirit. Also, the Holy Spirit adds value to your life and mine. I want you to get this. The Holy Spirit is not a parasite. What do parasites do? They come into you and they take away from you. How many of you know that? Some of you have personal experiences with a parasite, right? But the Bible says the Holy Spirit isn't a parasite that comes and tries to take from you. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete who adds value to you. He is another comforter into your life. So when you go to another country, I just want to encourage you, if you ever travel in missions or whatever it may be, you've been across whatever, maybe you've been in the military, whatever, you just don't go up to the sink in some town and say, I'm going to get a drink of water. You're probably going to get a parasite that you're going to pay for weeks and months in the future. That is not the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we're to drink of the water of the Holy Spirit of God. So I'm telling you, drink the water of the Holy Spirit. You're in another country, don't drink the water, man, okay? <laughs> All right, unless it's bottled water, right? But we are to drink of the Holy Spirit of God. That is drinking it in. You have to take it in. There's a second experience because these same disciples who have already, I made a missed the point in the last one. He infuses you with power. He also walks with you. He strengthens and infuses you with power, and the Holy Spirit also walks with you. He walks with you. The second experience is what we, John 20, where with Jesus, you see, Jesus said, You've, you haven't gotten it all yet. Oh, we did? No, you haven't gotten it all. Don't leave Jerusalem. You've already received the Holy Spirit. You've been saved, but don't leave Jerusalem, but wait because there's more. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to come upon you and overflow on you and to give you power to begin to live a supernatural life. Being saved and having the Holy Spirit live on the inside of you isn't enough to do life at the level that God's created you to live at you need to have an experience where the Holy Spirit comes on you in power and he begins to transform you and change you. Maybe you've had, maybe you, you've had experience like this last one I talked about, uh, but you've allowed the work of God and the work of the Holy Spirit to become dormant. All of us need to be filled on an ongoing basis. We need a fresh work every single day and probably many times throughout the day. And so this is so important that we, we know this, that we need to have an experience. So we have a tendency, and we know how important spiritual disciplines are in our lives, such as prayer and devotions, fasting, Going to church, encouraging one another, getting in a life group, small group, getting, going to grow classes, serving. These are some of the many disciplines and, and things as we follow Christ. Then there's also another thing that we definitely need, which is the direct encounters with the person of, in the work of the Holy Spirit that changes us. I guess the best way to describe that for us is how many of you have ever played the game Pac-Man? Can I see your hand? Yeah, wonka, 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 wonka. You've played that game, goes around, you know it, goes around. You can't win Pac-Man until you eat all the little dots on the screen. Right, that, right? There's these little dots, maybe we call them our daily disciplines. It's the church and coming and encouraging and giving and serving and praying, the things that we do. But there are times in life 
when you get chased off by fear and worry and discouragement and disappointment. There are many things that come in to try to drive us away in our lives, even drive us away from, from God. And they chase us, you know, kind of like the ghosts on the Pac-Man screen. You know, they look like they're going to overtake you and kill you. Your ordinary daily disciplines aren't enough to face some of the challenges. So what you need to do is you need to eat some of the power pills on the screen. These are good pills. I'm saying, you know, power pills that you get life. And so when you eat one, you know, you see that the Patman becomes invincible all of a sudden and the ghost can't stop him. And this is a good ex explanation, I think, of what happens in our lives. We need daily disciplines in our life as we go after God, and there are only some things that only happen in your life through direct experience with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus and Christianity, they are not a philosophy. It's not a set of principles, ritual, routine. It's a relationship with a real person. But many times, we want to depersonalize de-emotionalize, de-spiritualize Christianity and make it safe and contained and, and something we only think about. And God is saying, no, 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 it's much more than that. I want to dip you in the power of God. I want to fill your life with joy. I want to give you authority and the supernatural demonstrations, only the things that I can do through you, but you've got to open your life and want to experience it for yourself. And I know coming to a topic like this, in any church setting, there is great fear when somebody gets up and starts talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying everybody's afraid of it here. There's some of you who are comfortable with this talk, and it's creating a hunger in you. But there's been so much bad things that have happened through the work of the Holy Spirit that people said, well, you know, this is what the Holy Spirit told me to do, and they're doing something stupid, crazy, rolling across the floor, slobbering out of their mouth, swinging from the lights, chandeliers, whatever it may be. I grew up in this, and I know all those things too, but I grew up in a, very, a home where it's very balanced teaching on the work of the Holy Spirit and Pentecostalism. It doesn't have to get weird. Can God do anything? Yes, but what happens many times is we only look at that from our past and we say, I want nothing to do with that because it's weird. Let me tell you something. You just cut out the third person of the Trinity that can give you power to live your life on a daily basis and overcome you with authority and power and strength in Jesus' name. Don't let that hold you back. Don't let that hold you back. It's time to grow to the point where people are always going to say something. People are saying things about Christianity. Are you going to walk away from that today? Mm, no. There will always be somebody saying this, 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 or that. You be the change through the work of the Holy Spirit so people can see a visible expression of what God looks like through his presence. If I stood up here as a pastor and I preached self-help techniques, just how to improve your life, I would be admitting central parts of Christianity, which is there is a Holy Spirit and he wants to work in your life. So he wants us to be experienced. Number two, I need the explosiveness of the Holy Spirit. Can you say explosiveness? You know, listen, we're not here to make things unsafe, but we're going to challenge you to think about this that we need the explosiveness of the Holy Spirit, verse eight, 
but you will receive power, explosiveness, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses. That's what's to follow. When you are filled with the power, you'll be my witnesses. And you, we, you've heard this before, power, this word power right here, you can look up as, as dunamis. It's where they get the word dynamite power. And if you grew up watching Good Times, you saw Jimmy Walker say, dynamite. How many of you are with me? Some of you are younger, you won't even get it. Go check out Jimmy Walker. Okay. Right? It's the dynamite power of God. It's the explosive power of God. And let me tell you something about it. It's life-altering. It's a little bit like riding the wave. It's that force that carries you. It's powerful. It's good. But it's powerful. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Let's talk about explosiveness for just a moment. I'm kind of just give you a little visual illustration here. In the, I have a, a small branch. I took off a tree this morning. Ordinary branch. Let's imagine this. It's connected to the tree. It was a few hours ago. John chapter 15 if you want to read it later, there's a great picture for us that Jesus taught about how he's the vine and we're the branches. So the life flows from him into us to produce life in us and to produce fruit. Let's imagine for a moment there's no leaf on this, it's leafless, fruitless tree branch. It's connected to a tree somewhere. You realize during the winter months, these branches that are connected to the tree, they, they just seem to have no life in them. They're lifeless, right? In fact, it would be hard to tell the difference between a dead branch and a live one because you can't see the life on the inside. Something happens to this branch if it's connected, though, to the life-giving tree. In the spring, we realize as we come through this, the sap comes in. And it will be the life flow of nutrients into the branch. And eventually there will be an explosion of a little bud. It will come out and the bud will become a twig or leaf or eventually produce some type of fruit if it's a fruit tree. The change occurs from the inside out. You, you might say, well, John, I don't, I don't know if I really need this. And, you know, I'm not sure if this is for me. And, you know, sometimes we're just okay with thinking God's just going to do something on the outside of our lives first. But I want to let you know that's not how it works. God works from the inside out, not the outside in. The world that we live in is only looking for the outside. Yeah, well, we want to produce fruit so the world will glorify Jesus. But the world we live in is like, well, do they look okay? Wow, they got a lot of money. Wow, they're great, man. They got status. Oh, man, that's great. But that's not, and it's never been, how God has worked throughout his word. He's always worked from the inside out rather than the outside in. The Holy Spirit working in you in a positive way that will bear fruit. Now, here's, here's, here's the deal. I want, I want you to get this. A lot of us live, and I think sometimes we as pastors, including myself, we, we teach principles that basically want to change the world like this. Here's, here's what we want to do. We're like, yeah, let's just teach cosmetic things. So I'll get out the duct tape, and, um, and I've got the fruit here, so let's just try to make this work if we can. And what happens is we're trying to put fruit on the branch and, wow, it looks good on the outside, doesn't it? It's dangling here by my works and my self-effort and just another good sermon. 
maybe. But there's no genuine change. There's no genuine change. And so what happens is sometimes we're very satisfied with just the external rather than what God is doing on the inside of us. The only way that you and I get real genuine fruit is if the Holy Spirit births it in you. Listen, here's the thing. There are a lot of people that come to us as pastors, maybe to you too, and they just want us to fix their life with some duct tape. You know, I just, you know, I just think this is probably the best, so, you know, just fix me. Fix me. I mean, you know. But down deep, they don't want anything to change on the inside. So what happens is we keep fixing people with duct tape many times. And the reason why that doesn't work is because that's artificial. Where God is calling all of us to say, I want to work in you. Will you create space for me? And would you experience me and do a powerful and a mighty work? Listen, I don't care to pastor with fellow pastors on this staff, pastor this church with duct tape. It doesn't work. I don't want to, out of my own flesh or strength, try to solve problems. Because I know I need the work of the Holy Spirit. My kids need that in me to be the dad that God's called me to be. My wife needs me to be this. You need me to be that kind of pastor and I need you to be that kind of people. That we have to create space for the Spirit of God to work in us. God is jealous for us. You know? But many times we're just content with putting on the duct tape and fixing it just another time. God says, I've got a radical change for you. And it's explosive power if you will just take this to heart and you allow my spirit to do it. Let's bring this to point number three. I need to have an expectation of the Holy Spirit. Can you say expectation? That we need to have an expectation that the Holy Spirit wants to work in us. He wants to do this. And some of you are sitting in here today and you're like inside, you're just vibrating like, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Lord, I sense you speaking to me. That's you, that's you, that's you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that, that uh, you need to find the meaning that, that and the purpose that God's created your life to live for something a whole lot more than what you're living in right now, that we need to have the Holy Spirit and the expectation of the Holy Spirit. And so when you do that, you will risk, you will risk, because that's the thing. You're going to have to step out eventually after you wait to do what God has called you to do, that you will step into what God's called you to do, and you will risk a whole lot because he's promised in Acts chapter 2 When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them, Acts chapter 2, 1 and 4. And I want to encourage you right now, I just want to put this out there, that next week is is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. Some of you are like, I don't even know what Pentecost Sunday is. That's okay. You just can look it up this week, begin to look in Acts chapter 2, and I want us to pray because next week, I, I just want this church to pray together that 
that there's going to be people that have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and had the evidence of speaking with other tongues. But at the end of both services next week, we are going to come with such great expectation. How many of you are going to expect with me that God's going to do something great? Come on. Come on. That God's going to do something here, here, here. That as we lay hands upon people, that's a biblical method, as we lay hands upon people and we pray over them and we pray for them that they're gonna receive their prayer language and it's nothing to be fearful of. It's, it's nothing to, oh my goodness, I don't wanna come back. I encourage you to invite somebody with you maybe that's been seeking after the Lord, has been hungry for this. Now listen, it doesn't have to happen just next Sunday morning. It could happen when you are here to this morning. It could happen when you leave this place. It could happen in your car on the way home. It could happen tonight uh, before bed. It could, be, it could happen wherever because God can do that because he is God. But for next week, as Pentecost Sunday, as we come together, I want this church to believe with me together in faith believing. I don't want to hear what your natural mind says. I want to hear what your mind says in the supernatural, that, that we would be people that stop talking about miracles and we would see miracles, amen, that we would just put God out there. We're so afraid to put God out there many times. He is God. He can do this thing with or without us. And let me tell you, in this church, I would say in these days, count us in, God. Count us in for what you want to do, for how you want to empower us. And I know that may make some of you feel uncomfortable, but I feel God is stretching you. He's gonna stretch us and stretch us together, but that you would allow the Spirit of God to come inside of you. If there's something that we need in this day, we got too many Christians complaining, whining, Facebook, nah, 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 nah. the church doesn't do this. Get yourself. Get your hindquarters to the altar and start doing something about it then. I don't want to hear your complaints. I don't want to hear them. Get yourself to the altar and seek the Lord. Come on, church. Bloody, bloody. Complainers, there's a reward for complaining. Go look at the word. Gossipers, all this crap. Oh, man, I'm meddling now. I'm tired of it. Let's grow up, let's be people of God. Let's be people that are hungry for the presence of Jesus. Let's expect him to do something in our midst. Stop complaining about it. You need to be confronted with your complacency. Confronted with your complaining. You say that against the church, you've said that against Jesus Christ. I'm serious business here. I'm serious today. We cannot do what God has called us to do in timidity. Too much of the body of Christ is living in timidity. Scared, running. Running from what God has called us to do in these days. The only way we're going to do this is in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the only way. I'm not discounting what the Father can do or what Jesus. I'm not, I'm not saying that. We don't worship the Holy Spirit. We worship the Father in heaven. We don't worship the Holy Spirit here, but it's an outworking. We worship the Father, then the expression comes after that, the fruit. 
But I want to encourage you today. There, there has got to be the body of Christ that stands up in these days with boldness. I'm not saying fight the wrong fight. I'm not saying go out there and destroy, do stupid stuff. I'm saying the body of Christ would stand up for lives that are being aborted. And we're afraid to talk about it. We're afraid to talk about it. We're afraid. We have hid. We have hid from this. I didn't say this in the first service, so you're just getting the overflow in a second. We have hid from this stuff. We're saying, oh, God bless us. God bless us. God says, I've created life and you won't speak for it. May our spirits be provoked. The only way we're going to reach this world is through the work of the Spirit. The life in the overflow. He said, you want to be a witness? He said, you have to wait for the power of my Holy Spirit. You have to wait. There is an expectation in this room this morning that God would break out in your life. And I am here, and I'm crazy enough to believe with you that God is going to come with explosive power Deep sea divers, if you've ever even done scuba diving, you realize they can't go to the depths of the ocean, the depths of the water without a tank on their back filled with oxygen. They can't go there unless they have that. You can only go to a certain depth. Then you have to have the life-giving oxygen on your back. It is the same thing with the work of the Holy Spirit. We are in a foreign land, and I want to remind you, this is not your home. If you're a believer, this is not your home. Jesus said, I've got something a whole lot better than this. You and I are foreigners. He said, I've given you the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't take my work for granted. For us to do the work in a foreign land, we need the power of the Holy Spirit.